When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You know, we, we got to play better around him, and I've said that a bunch. We're leading the, the Big Ten in sacks right now. That's got to get better, so he's got to trust protection a little better. Uh, but, you know, we talked yesterday and today a lot about this team is so close. It's been so close in every one of these games, and, I, you know, I'm tired of saying we're one play away, we're two plays away. The, the kids are tired of that, too. Um, we talked about the last two days was making the play when it counts, making the being a guy you can depend on when it when it matters. And we've made plenty good, plenty enough good plays in several games uh, to have the outcome be different. A lot of guys have had opportunities to make a play, one more play somewhere to get it done, and um, we haven't done it yet. Um, we've made some game-winning plays and then had chances to stop the other team and didn't. Uh, we stopped the other team and had chances on offense to go win it and didn't. Um, so we need we need guys to be at their best in those situations, Adrian included. And welcome here to this bi-week edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washed as just trying to figure out what the heck's going on with the Nebraska football team. Obviously, uh, disappointing 3-5 and five start to the season, Robin. Disappointing loss at Minnesota. It had a Illinois must-win feel. And I find it ironic that the two games that really have derailed this season, Illinois and Minnesota, to some extent, are almost the exact two games that derailed last year as well. I mean, Nebraska... Wins those two games last year, and we're talking about a whole different 2021 here. And they lost those two games, and they were favored in both games. And I think that's the rub right now. Why can't Nebraska win the games that they are favored by the odds makers to win? Why not only do they lose these games, they come out and play some of their worst football under Scott Frost. Then against top 10 teams like Michigan, they come out and play inspired football. Obviously, that's been an issue. Yeah, the story of... The Scott Frost tenure so far is Nebraska surpasses expectations when no one gives them a chance and plays good teams down to the wire. In some cases, you know, a player two away from from winning the game. Uh, but when it comes to games that are supposed to win and are expected to win, they crumble and suddenly fall apart and don't look anything like the team that they were uh, in this case a week ago against a top ten opponent. And it's it's inexplicable that those types of uh, you know, peaks and valleys, as Tim Miles used to say, the, the EKG performance where they're just the drastic ups and downs from week to week. You literally know, never, never know what team is going to show up in a given game. And that is a real problem uh, where the, the motivation can fluctuate that much where they could be completely dialed in one week and then the very next time out uh they're sleepwalking their way through the first half and have to dig themselves out of a hole on the road i mean that's something that until that gets figured out uh you're going to have a hard time addressing all those other problems they need to fix and then you heard um scott frost getting better around adrian martinez but once again fourth year in a row almost adrian martinez has battled some sort of injury um where his body just you know, it, it's too much. And, you know, there's a reason why in the National Football League, Robin, you don't see quarterbacks run a lot um, because of the hits they take to their body. The Big Ten, the SEC are similar conferences um, in terms of the players in these leagues. And Adrian Martinez is asked to do so much. And 
every year he's been here, there's been kind of a bump and a bruise, and we know he's been playing with a jaw injury that he suffered at Michigan State that he left that game with and came back in. But then some sort of leg injury, uh, we think an ankle injury, happened heading into this game at Minnesota. And that really changed a lot of what Nebraska could do on offense. And it wasn't just not really running him at all. It was his ability to scramble. Uh, I think you charted he only had two uh, design or like two true scrambles. And no, zero scramble yards. Zero scramble two yards. Two design run yards. Yeah. So taking I mean, away the sacks, and that's arguably Nebraska's biggest threat on offense is his ability to run. I mean, the the big scrambles that he's had this season have changed the complexion of games. Changed the Buffalo game exactly. And so uh, when you take that off the table and you have to have everyone else step up. You know, this is an offense that was already limited, and you take away your biggest weapon, uh, that that's going to be a real problem. And we saw it was it really caused Nebraska a lot of issues, especially in that first half where they really couldn't do much of anything with Adrian not being the same dynamic runner, and, and not just with the design runs, but being able to extend plays in the pocket, being able to move around and, and be mobile. Uh, and then the other issue, it didn't seem like his – his passing was off too. I mean, he was sailing all those throws, missing wide open targets, throwing to spots where receivers weren't even close to being. Uh, obviously, had the intentional grounding in the end zone. So his decision making and the accuracy on his passes, I think, also were limited. And I wonder how much of the that had to do with the injury that he was battling. Yeah, it's just so frustrating, you know. And you think about those goal line situations where what has been Nebraska's best plays inside the five, the Adrian Martinez run. To the end zone on the options and the keepers and that was off the table you know he tried to run it in and he may have gotten in. he had a foot in the end zone they the replay couldn't tell him that he was in but mm-hmm. you take away him as a red zone runner he is not a very good red zone throwing quarterback I mean Adrian Martinez has had one game with three touchdown passes since September of 2019 one game mm-hmm. and every other game in his career has been no touchdown passes one or two um, so the, the ability to throw in the red zone has been an issue for Martinez for most of his career. Yeah, and, you know, I think the other part to that, too, is you know some of the decision-making. You know, when they run those zone reads in the red zone, a lot of times there's points where, like, wow, why didn't he keep that? Instead, he gives it to Ramir Johnson or whoever, and he gets stuff for a, a one-yard gain or a no gain. And, you know, those are the types of things that also make a very big difference in your red zone efficiency. When you, you have a spot uh, on one of those option plays, you better pick the right choice because the, you know, the, the opportunities are few and far between when, when you're in that condensed of a part of the field. So uh, there's a lot of issues for Nebraska's offense not being able to capitalize on drives. They're putting up a lot of yards. You know, they're they're doing a lot of big plays, but the points aren't coming nearly as much as they need to, and especially the big plays at the most critical moments aren't coming when they absolutely need to. And now they're in this bye week, and, you know, they, they can only practice this week twice. Um, and you're asking, why can't they go more? Well, you don't get – when you play week zero, you get an extra bye week. You don't actually get extra practices. So Nebraska has to give back that extra week of practice on these two bye weeks. So Nebraska practiced twice this week on Tuesday, Wednesday. They come back on Sunday, and I believe they're going to go Sunday, then take Monday off. Um, so they have to be creative in how they give the week zero practice days back. Illinois chose to not do that. They started later to get ready, but it worked out well for them, obviously. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> Nebraska will give back days here in very limited in what they can do, and coaches will be out recruiting and doing other things. But 
you know, I don't think you're going to fix the world's problems on these two bi-week practices. It's more to me about mental. Exactly. Well, and, and physical, too. I mean, they just played eight straight weeks. There's been a lot of talk about that, just how kind of beat up guys were with, you know, not necessarily significant injuries, but, you know, kind of the normal nicks and bruises and, and toll that eight straight football games can have on you. So I think just being able to mentally and physically take a step away, regroup, recharge after not only just a, a physical grind, but an emotional grind. I mean, all those close losses, all those frustrating performances. I mean, there's no doubt that's taking a toll on this team. And as resilient as they've been and been able to keep great attitudes during the week in practice, uh, I don't care who you are. It's human nature to let that stuff kind of start to creep in the back of your mind. So I think just being able to step away uh, and just kind of get a, get a, hit the reset button a little bit will be as, as valuable as anything this week. All right, well, the full show here on tap as we'll uh, talk big picture offense, defense, bi-week storylines, um, talk some recruiting as well. And Abby Barmore rejoins us in the mailbag. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I think there'll be a time when I can talk about the things that have, uh, he's been dealing with. Uh, but he came out of the game clean, so he's going to be as healthy as he's been uh, in several weeks, week from Saturday. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. That was Scott Frost talking about Adrian Martinez and his health as we hit on that in the opening headlines as well, Robin. But uh, before we get into our, our segment here on the offense, let's uh, talk about our proud sponsor here of the segment. Uh, the segment brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill. Get on into Tanner's. They are your spot to watch football this weekend. For you and I, this is like one of the few weekends a year that we can go in the sports bar and hang out there all day Saturday, watch the football, um, get some wings, get some cold beer. Uh, Tanner's has great specials, too, for all of the nights. I love their Thursday night football special. Um, you can get a um, bucket of Coors Light 16-ounce twist-off bottles for $20. Um, I believe it's five, five for $20. Um, so get on in there. Um, and take advantage of all the different specials they have each night. All brand new TVs and set up in there. Play Kino, uh, Tanner Sports Bar, 30th and Yankee Hill. Proud segment sponsor here of the Husker Online Show. Um, but Robin, you know, you, you talk about this offense and there's so much to it. Um, you know, I think Ramir Johnson, you talk about positives here at the bye week. I think Ramir Johnson has been a huge positive. And if he could have finished that game, they'd maybe win that game at Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, you got to wonder just the, the, some of the, the plays that really swung that game. Uh, you know, Jock has Yant slipping uh, on the goal line is right up there as, as most critical of all. And you just got to wonder, does Ramir Johnson make that play? Because had Yant been able to stay on his feet, he scores probably easily walking in just because the hole was, was wide open. So, I mean, it's just one of those things where, I mean, you got to really credit Ramir Johnson going into the year. I personally thought he was like the one guy that was going to be the odd man out of that running back rotation, probably would be in the transfer portal at the end of the year. But here he is as the clear number one running back out of that group with 
Um, not only just his consistency, being able to stay on the field from week to week, but the production, the big plays he's been able to generate, both as a runner and a receiver, have been a huge asset to this offense and taking some of the pressure off Adrian. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk the running back room and you know, you just wonder what they need that number two back. And you would like it to be Jacques here down the stretch. Uh, but man, he's had some big mistakes. I mean, he fell down against Michigan or ran the wrong way and, you know, prevented them a first down when they got eight yards on first down. And mm-hmm. that's a big moment. And then this moment at Minnesota where he tripped, I mean, they want this kid to get opportunities, but when you make those kinds of mistakes, you know, it's hard to get that trust of the coaching staff. And as we know, trust is a major part in who plays and who doesn't with this staff. I mean, if they don't feel like you are going to do what you're supposed to do uh, on any given play, then, you know, they're going to have a hard time putting you on the field, which is why, uh, you know, in our, on our message board, it's constantly talked about, but players that are obviously clearly uh, talented and maybe more talented than guys that are playing are not being on the field, especially in late-game situations, because the coaching staff doesn't trust them. And so I think that's a big part of why Ramirez, um, you know, kind of vault up the depth chart has happened is because he's been the most consistent, trustworthy back in that room. And then with Yant, I mean, the, the potential is obviously there. I mean, he brings a dynamic that no other back in that room has with his physicality and size. But, I mean, when you're falling down and running the wrong way, like – how are you going to get earn yourself more playing time if you make critical mistakes like that? Let's say one guy, though, if you're talking about maybe an offensive MVP right now, it could be tight end Austin Allen. Um, you look at just what he's done, his numbers. He's got the second most receptions at 24 for any tight end in the Big Ten. Sam Laporta at Iowa has 28, and he's essentially Iowa's leading receiver. Um, but the yards per catch, he's 14.3. He leads the league um, for tight ends and yards per catch on tar- on you know t- uh, at a certain um, reception target level, mm-hmm. so he's the most target or he's got the most yards per catch, the highest grade on Pro Football Focus. You talk about a junior that to me is a slam dunk probably to go pro. Austin Allen right now to me it's gonna be really hard for him to want to come back, especially with what those pro fo- uh, the pro metrics and grades look like for him. Well, there's a reason there were six or seven NFL scouts surrounding the tight end room in that open practice we were able to see uh, this offseason because, I mean, he's been clearly identified as uh, one of Nebraska's top NFL prospects. And now over the last few weeks, he's he's finally playing like it and getting the opportunity to play like it. Obviously, the, the injury uh, probably set him back a little bit at the beginning of the year, but uh, he's been nothing short of phenomenal uh, over the last few games, not just making catches, but making tough catches. He's he's catching the ball over the middle and taking shots and getting up. That uh, touchdown catch. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's showing his toughness. He's showing his ability and skill and becoming the type of player that, you know, is the reason why he was selected by his teammates to be a captain. So, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll flip the question to you here. Right now, you mentioned Sam Laporta. Where does Austin Allen stand in the All-Big Ten conversation right now at tight end? I mean, yeah, I think you got Ferguson at Wisconsin who's having a down year, but he's considered maybe the best pro prospect in the league. Um, Laporta's going to get the Iowa bump, and I think Iowa's winning is going to factor in. I mean, so I think right now, Allen, you know, Nebraska's going to have to do some really good campaigning for him. They're going to have to, like, show people, like, these are his numbers. Like, he is statistically the best tight end, but when you're in a 14-team league and you're not high up in the standings, you get penalized in the all-conference things. And, and Laporta and Iowa finished strong. I think it's going to be hard for him not to get it. But I think Allen's at minimum second-team All-Big Ten, at minimum. 
I mean, right now, the way he's playing, it's it's hard for me to argue that. I mean, obviously, like you mentioned Ferguson. He's got the name. I think he was the consensus first-team All-Big Ten tight end going into the year, but he hasn't played like it. Austin Allen has, and he's been arguably Nebraska's most valuable receiving threat, uh, especially over the last few weeks. And then you, you talk about offensive line and what Nebraska can do here down the stretch. I don't know if they can do anything, Robin. I, I think yeah. the guys they have are the guys they have. Um, Brock Bando's always been an option. He could maybe play some guard if they want to. I think he'll be healthy and ready to roll. He's going to start against Fordham. But the tackles, what what can you do right now? What are you going to do at tackle other than playing Corcoran and Ben Hart here during, during this final stretch of the season? Yeah, and especially with kind of how limited they are over this bye. It's not like you can hold a bunch of practices and, and have a true you know full two weeks of competition. I mean, you get two practices this week. I mean, nobody does that. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, at this point... The we're going to have fall camp in the bye. I mean, right. no, nobody does. I mean, it, the bye weeks are legitimately for recruiting and rest. Yeah, I mean, the, the guys who are out there are more often than not going to be the guys that will finish the year just because... You know, again, as as we've said, if they had other options that were better that were on the field right now, they'd probably be playing. And so maybe it gets to the point down the year where uh, you try to experiment with some different guys, kind of like they did last season. But these are all young guys that need reps. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's not like this is a bunch of like fifth year seniors that are out there. I mean, these are young players that are still uh, cutting their teeth at the Big Ten level. And so this is a valuable time for them. And you need them on the field if they're going to have a chance to live up to their potential when you recruited them. I want to talk about the receivers here as we wrap it up to um, Samori Torre, kind of the ups and downs of him. I mean, at Minnesota, he was targeted seven times, had just one catch. It felt like the Gophers really kept an eye on him. And I, I think when the offense is not running at a consistent level. It makes it so much easier to defend Nebraska's receivers. And Minnesota played too high almost the entire game. Which is why Austin had such a big game, because he was open over the middle all the time. And, you know, teams leave that, yeah, with those two high safeties. Um, you know, and if Nebraska can't run the ball consistently, they're going to keep seeing too high. And I think that's going to hurt guys like Torre getting open deep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so that's where Samari Torre has made his biggest impact, is being that legitimate deep deep play threat that uh, when the defenses have to come in to try to prevent the run or spy on Adrian Martinez as a runner that's when they hit Toure over the over the top over one of those deep crossing routes and they've tried to get him involved but you know Adrian just missed him I, I think the the numbers last week he was targeted seven times one completion I mean that that kind of shows you that it's not for a lack of effort of trying to get him involved it's either the throws aren't there or Adrian's just missing them my under-the-radar kind of bi-week lunch pail does his job guy is Levi Falk. Like, I mean, for what they ask him to do and what his role is on this team, I mean, Levi Falk maximizes that. So, I mean, I think when you talk about kind of unsung heroes of the offense, Levi Falk has to be right up there. Well, I mean, if he gets a better pass thrown to him, he probably helps Nebraska beat Michigan on that crossing route. He was wide open, had the, the ability to Well, and then him. against Michigan State in overtime yeah, there you on go. the first play. I mean, he... He, um, you know, he, I don't know when he came back for a six-year, people on our message boards kind of scoff because, you know, he's not Omar Manning. He's not Xavier Betts. He was an FCS transfer, but he's a consistent player that does his job, and that's all you can ask. As we've said, if your coaches trust you, you're going to play. So credit him for being not only just reliable, but making the most of the opportunities when he gets them. All right, when we come back, we'll talk bi-week defensive storylines. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We have a unique bye week because uh, playing week zero, uh, we had to have so many days off. We had to have seven extra days off 
between our first bye week and second. We're only going to practice twice this week, practice yesterday and today. Uh, we're going to try to get the back guys back early and get some game planning ready and then have a pretty much a normal week for Purdue. Uh, I think next bye week we'll be able to practice three times, but that's how many days we had to have off. Yeah, Deontay had a minor uh, knee injury. Um, he's going to be day-to-day, week-to-week. Um, probably be out for a little bit, but he'll, he'll definitely be back this year. Uh, Ramirez in meetings, everything. He's got to pass uh, protocols uh, to get back into play, but we feel good about it. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. You heard Scott Frost talking about the bye week practice approach, and then Deontay Williams going to be back this season, but you kind of read the tea leaves. You probably won't see him against Purdue. When will he be back? Could it be after bye number two? Could it be for Ohio State? Um, we'll see when Deontay Williams returns. And Ramir Johnson expected to be back. Uh, this segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by the 2022 Aer Lingus College Football Classic, along with Anthony Travel. Um, you know, make sure uh, you're, you're starting to, you know, make plans to head to Ireland. Robin and I and our, our team will be going out there, but it's getting to that point where you, you want to get this trip planned. Uh, the, the website is Huskers to Ireland. That's the number two dot com. Huskers to Ireland dot com. Get your passports updated. Get that all checked out. But tons of great packages available. Um, that's going to include prime seats at the game, um, as well as all the great things that you're going to want to do in Ireland, the great hotels. And the reason you want to book here on Huskers to Ireland, they have a lot of these things already locked up. They have the spots and everything locked up for where you're going to want to go in Ireland uh, with tours of Ireland and all the key things. And this is a trip of a lifetime. You want to make sure you maximize this. So visit Huskers to Ireland, Husker Online. We are a proud sponsor here and supporter of the 2022 Air Lingus College Football Classic in Dublin, Ireland. But, Robin, let's talk defensive storylines for Nebraska. When when you kind of look at where this team's at for the bye, Deontay Williams, I mean, that's a big blow. I mean, they can how long can they afford for him to be out and you got Purdue coming in this next week. That's a team that you would love to have Deontay Williams against. Well, especially with David Bell coming off his 200-yard torching of Iowa. And secondary. Iowa had one of the best secondaries yeah. in the country. Yeah, they all have like two potential All-Americans on their in their secondary. So, yeah, that that's that's a notable development. And I guess the good news is, as you heard in the the open to the segment, is you know with Deontay's they uh, do expect him back at some point, but it sounds like it's it's likely that he's going to miss at least a game or two. So uh, I would probably uh, list him as questionable at best, probably doubtful for Purdue. And that's going to be something they're going to have to work around. Miles Farmer jumps right into that starting role. Frost confirmed that uh, this week. But after that, it's kind of a bunch of unknowns. I think they have young players that they're excited about and their, their long-term potential, but how many of those guys and which of those guys are going to be ready to step into that role? Cause they don't rotate a lot in their secondary. Um, but a lot of that is because they have so many veterans back there that, uh, you know, they, they can trust to, to handle the work bulk of the workload is miles farmer going to be able to handle the majority of the snaps. And if not, who's the next man up? Noah Paul Gates, uh, you know, Gifford or whoever it may be. That's a big question that is probably going to have to get answered here very quickly over the next week and a half. You're listening here to the Husker online show as we talk defensive storylines for Nebraska and, you know, Robin, um, you'd like to see Nebraska get more bodies on the field. I know they've talked about on that defensive line having more of a rotation, uh, but it really hasn't been much of a rotation. And um, that's an area where, you know, you, you see some guys maybe run out of gas because they're playing 15, 20 more snaps a game than they, that you would probably like to see. 
Yeah, that's the thing. We talked all about the depth they have, uh, especially on the defensive line, but uh, really it's not being utilized whatsoever. Uh, They they had to rotate because I think DeAndre Thomas – uh, you know, he only played a handful of snaps after being kind of really the, the the fourth guy in that rotation. So Jordan Riley got vaulted up. Casey Rogers got vaulted up. But uh, really beyond that, that's the extent of the rotation. And so the same thing at linebacker. Um, you know, they're, they're just really not playing very many guys at all beyond the starters, uh, especially at the inside spots. And so I think that that's, that's natural where, especially when you get into the, the grind of, of late season league play, you're going to lean on the, the, your, your top group, but you know, at the same time, you know, they're, they're talking all about how guys are kind of getting worn down a little bit and, you know, banged up from uh, the grind of the season. Well, you actually have depth that you can lean on a little bit more than they have been. But again, you just got to wonder how much of that comes down to the trust factor and their kind of hesitancy to put younger players that haven't proven it yet in those types of situations. Yeah, you just wonder, you know, down the road, like a Nash Huttmacher, you know, I think he's somebody that could factor in. Mm-hmm. Jordan Riley, I mean, I, I'm just, you know, he's he's a mystery. I mean, yeah. he looks like a million bucks, but he gets like four snaps a game. Yeah, and when he's in, he doesn't do a whole lot. I mean, there's been a couple flash plays here and there, but, I mean, his production has been kind of non-existent. Casey Rogers, you know, how yeah. many snaps did he play last he, week? He was the next highest guy. Uh, so his numbers the have gone up a, a little bit. Yeah, and a lot of that's just him being healthy and kind of working his way back into game shape. And I guess that shouldn't be a surprise. I mean, he was considered one of their top guys going into the season, and now that he's finally able to, to stay on the field and getting his body back up to where it needs to be, you're, you're starting to see the result of that. And another guy that's really fallen off for me this year after especially week zero was Feldarius Payne. Um, you know, I, I felt yeah. like week zero, he had two sacks against Illinois, mm-hmm. and I don't know if he's had a sack since. I don't think so. And, you know, I think part of that is uh, because of Gary the Nelson. Garrett Nelson's playing. Yep. I mean, he's, I mean, he's been really good. And you can't have both those guys out there together. Right, because the other side is Caleb Tanner, who's – And then JoJo is kind of the yeah. flex. Yeah, 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 yeah. So – and they've done different things to get some of those guys on the field even all together uh, with different, you know, packages and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, Payne, you know, I think his opportunity was a lot bigger earlier this season because Garrett wasn't necessarily playing at the level that he is now. And, again – they're going to stick with the guys at this point in the year that they trust the most. And speaking of um, JoJo, bye week MVP um, for this defense right now, JoJo Doman, or would you go someone else? It's hard to say anybody but JoJo. Uh, maybe, yeah, so over the course of the entire season, JoJo for sure, yeah. I'll I mean, there's moments where Reimer has played like that, but I think week over week, JoJo has been the most consistent guy. Yeah, and especially when you look at production, just impact plays. Uh, I mean, he's he's the one that's coming up with some of the – Cam Taylor-Britt's on the come, though. Yes, over the last few weeks. That's kind of what I was going to go with it. I mean, there's very few people playing better than Cam Taylor-Britt. And you go back to that Minnesota game, he was the highest-graded defender in the pro football focus grades in every single category of the five – Major categories. Five core categories. So that's, that's run defense, tackling, coverage, uh, pass rush, and overall. Uh, he was number one, highest graded out of any defender. He's gone, right? I mean, I, I just – I think that was a plan all along. Yeah, I, I think he has had it in his mind that this is it for him, year four. Yeah, the question was, was he playing so poorly that that wasn't going to be an option or at least a smart option? But I think that he's – Playing like the Cam Taylor Britt we expected going into the year. Uh, he's not trying to do so much. I think that was a big thing. He was trying to win the Heisman on every play. Trying to make money every exactly. play. He's trying to win, yeah, be a first-round pick, and it was ended up costing him. But I think now he's kind of settled down a little bit. He got humbled a little bit and just started to let 
the game come to him, the old cliche. And honestly, I think that's really paid off for him. That pick he had, that was one of the better plays any defender on Nebraska's team has made all year. I mean, when he made that pick, nobody in the stadium, like, even knew it happened because he didn't react. He just kind of stood there. <laughs> and I mean, everyone, you had been so used to things going bad for Nebraska. Yeah, the well, I mean, he had completed 16 passes in a row. Yeah. That was his first incompletion. And, after that point. and you're, you're like, Oh, they just scored a touchdown. Oh wait, no, he picked it off. Like, Oh my God. Like, I mean, you, you had just been whipped down mentally watching that game that you were just expecting the worst on every single throw. When a guy completes 16 in a row, which by the way, was a Minnesota school record by two. So, I mean, he, he took it by two more completions. So yeah, I mean, I think that's the, again, that's the player that we thought cam was going to be. And just having him being able to take away one side of the field is such a luxury for this defense. And, you know, Quentin Newsom, obviously he's been playing well enough. He earned his black shirt. Uh, he kind of struggled, especially against the run to begin the year, but he's kind of coming to his own a little bit. So you're starting to see that secondary uh, you know, come together the way that you expected. But now with Deontay Williams, uh, there's going to be some more questions to answer there. All right, when we come back, Abby Barmore will join us and we'll take your questions in the mailbag. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. No, I don't. I don't make a habit of listening to those press conferences. Um, our culture has come a hundred miles. I love where our culture is right now. I think they have some skilled players too, so I'm surprised to hear that. But I hadn't heard that. In my and welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washed, as you heard, Scott Frost, a little salty there, Robin, as. Uh, that was in response to P.J. Flick's comment after the game that the win for the Gophers was culture-defeating skill. Yeah. Very dramatic. Yeah, that's the most P.J. Fleck analysis uh, of that game, as you could possibly imagine, and clearly Scott was not humored by it. Well, basically, P.J. Fleck's trying to say he doesn't have good players, but actually Minnesota has a lot of draft picks on that roster. I mean, yeah, Nebraska should have won the game. He's basically like taking credit for the win. Like, this culture that I've created was the reason we won, not the players. On we the beat these skill guys. Because, yeah, Minnesota hasn't really beaten Nebraska for a lot of recruits head-to-head when they do square off. So, um, you know, for... Those games matter, but let's get to the mailbag. Abby Barmore joining us here in studio. Abby, um, lots of questions in the mailbag. Where do you want to start us off at? Any insight on how the offensive line is working through these challenging times, and are they switching up the coaching routine and how they practice? You know, honestly, that stuff's kept pretty locked tight, but I think the the Prohaska injury really changed a lot of where this was going to go. I think they're really – you know, moving in the right direction with him, and then they had to go back to Benhard. And let's be honest, the tackle play has been really, really bad. They're going to see another elite All-American defensive end this week, and George Kalafis from uh, I, th- I butchered his last name. I'm pretty Karloftis. sure. Karloftis from Purdue. I mean, an All-American level guy this week, next game. So, um, to the point now, Robin, it is what it is on this offensive tackle play, and they've got to create ways to help those guys. Right, and then if they had other solutions that would be better than what they're doing, you figure they would have used it by now. And so I think that's kind of one of those spots where uh, as bad as it's been, the staff feels like those are the best options uh, to play at those positions. And so, yeah, I mean, your only move right now is just to try to get those guys better to play up to their potential because, I mean, they're two high-level recruits that came in, and they need to start playing like it. All right, what do you have next, Abby? Why did Frost refuse to put Martinez on the bench during the Minnesota game when he was obviously playing poorly? <sighs> you know, that's a tough question. I mean, he was hurt, limited. They were calling even some option plays with him now that we know that he had a bad ankle in that game. So 
Um, I thought about this, Robin. What if Luke McCaffrey was here in some of those plays? You know that he could have run. You know, just having another guy that could have executed. You know, the change-up plays. Minnesota did that. I mean, they had another guy came in. And by the way, the touchdown pass he threw, that was the first pass that guy had thrown all year. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of been the story of the the Martinez tenure here. Ride or die. Yeah, I mean, whether even if like they a 70%, 60% Adrian Martinez is better than anybody else they have in that room. And they brought four quarterbacks to that game, too. Like, clearly they knew he was not 100%. They wanted to give themselves some options that position. And, you know, you actually have a luxury this year of uh, you know Logan Smothers. I mean, he's at least played in games. Uh, and if Adrian was as banged up, you know, Frost made the comment, uh, you know, there'll be a day when I can tell you everything that he's going through right now. Well, if he's going through that much, you know, maybe it's not best to, to play him. And uh, it's hindering your offense, not only with his performance, but what you're able to call uh, with with your, your offense. And so, I don't know. I mean, either it's an indication that Adrian was – they felt good enough about him being out there that they were still able to give them the best chance to win or that the gap between Adrian and Logan Smothers is that significant that – even when he's banged up, they want him in there over the freshman. All right. What do you have next, Abby? Before last week's game, I think we all assumed Frost was safe for next year and arguably trending in a positive direction. Does Minnesota change that? And in your opinion, do you think these last four games Frost is coaching for his job? I mean, nobody really knows. Um, I think Trev Alberts, if you let this thing get down to four weeks and go week to week, I don't think that's good. I I think there has to be a point in the maybe before that next bye week or around the next bye week where if he's coming back, you know, Trevor Alberts needs to say, you know, we're very happy with coach. Fr- I mean, I wouldn't say happy, but he's our guy and we still believe in him. We still believe in him and, and we're going to get things corrected. But if not, if, if not, and there's a lot of silence, um, I don't know if that's good. So Trev is really the X factor here. Um, you know, and I get it. There's a lot of people upset about things and, you know, I thought the John Johnson's video from Coronation after the uh, the game on Saturday really, really summed it up for a lot of people. That was like, the best post game column I read. I mean, that week. It was just like to a T. Like, and you know, he might have had a couple cocktails in him when he cut that video. Look like probably, but that that was a um, a great recap of I think what a lot of people are feeling. It's just like. You know, we had bigger wrap up this week, Robin and Zach Potter was on. And he goes, I don't know what it is, but I get more mad now than I did when I played because yeah. people want this so freaking bad. And it just kills you when you see the potential and then you see people make these mistakes. Yeah. And the fact that it's the, the same script week in, week out where they tease you just enough to think that they're about to turn the corner. And then games like Minnesota happen where they completely fall apart, look like a shell of themselves from the previous week. And there's no explanation for it. Uh, and so, I mean, that's the most maddening thing of all is that the, the, just the, the repetitive nature of these failures uh, over the last four years, it's, it's gotten to the point now where people are just banging their head against the wall. If Frost has to retool his staff after this season, will he be able to attract good assistance while being on the hottest of hot seats? Um, I think at a school like Nebraska, you're always on a hot seat. I, I don't know if you can ever just be like you're in the clear at Nebraska. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there, there will be challenges. Um, coaches get two-year contracts on the assistant front, so that's standard. No matter where you go, you can always get fired. I mean, look, Bill Bush – won a national title, and he recruited Joe Burrow, but basically was fired by Ed Orgeron at LSU because Ed Orgeron was going to get fired the next year, and he's already fired. So, you know, you can't really predict that. I mean, for coaches, it's all about finding contracts and money and opportunities because you only have such a window of time where you can actually make Nebraska-level assistant coach money. 
Yeah, and you know, I think there's also the issue where Nebraska probably just needs the best guy. They don't need the biggest name. They need someone that can develop at this point. I mean, these are getting the recruits. Like that's not the issue, but the lack of development from day one to when these guys leave has been maybe one of the biggest indictments on this program, even going back before Frost, to where guys are not getting better and in some cases getting worse at that position group. So uh, they need somebody. And I don't care if it's a big name splash hire, but if it's got to be somebody that not only fits Frost and the rest of the staff, but is able to do the coaching on the field to get guys the most out of guys and, and help them improve year by year. Next year, the defense loses a lot of its playmakers in Camp Taylor Britt, Damian Daniels, and the six-year players. And the offense potentially loses Adrian Martinez, Samari Torre, and the tight ends. If Frost returns, how does he replace those guys and show some improvement? Well, you mentioned a lot of guys, but, I mean, they have other players in the program. I mean, Miles Farmer and I think Marquise Buford's going to rise quickly. Isaac Gifford's in that mix down the road. But the portal, you heard Scott Frost talk about it this week. The transfer portal is going to be a big part of what Nebraska does they're only going to take 12, 13 recruits. They're sitting at eight right now. And let's be honest, like Nebraska's not going to fix their problems in 2022 with t- taking a bunch more freshmen. They need key pieces at specific spots to help improve the other strengths on this team. And honestly, I don't think this is just like a Nebraska this year situation. I mean, with the evolution of the transfer portal, you know, just like how it has been with basketball for, for years now, uh, you are do, doing yourself a disservice as a program if you're not taking full advantage of that. Because um, we've seen, you know, look, some Samari Torre and, and those types of guys where you can get players that immediately make you better. And, you know, as the, the kind of theme of this season, how close Nebraska has been, I think having guys that can come in and make a difference right away are going to be Nebraska's best chance of finally getting over that hump. So I would expect them to hit the portal hard at some key positions and especially some of those where those big departures are happening. All right. Final question, Abby Barmore. Um, Nebraska has their first bye week coming up. What are you guys going to do to enjoy your bye week? <laughs> Smoke meat, watch football, watch. Do- Hopefully, I'm watching Dodger baseball still this weekend. Um, we'll see. Um, but we might go to Kansas City um, Friday night and run around down there Saturday and just come back Saturday night. Just do something like that. Uh, I mean, it's tough. Like these seasons for people in our shoes, like you don't get a lot of time with your family on the weekends at all. Um, we work a lot of Sundays now, too. Um, so just try to spend time with my family. Yeah, that's, you know, it's been two months since we've had a full weekend with the uh, wives and children. So that that will be uh, probably the priority. Uh, Reintroduce yourself to the. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Hey, kids. Remember me? I'm your dad. It's a big Roca Berry Farm. <laughs> Val- no, I mean, Ro- Roca Berry Farm and Vallas Pumpkin Patch this weekend. We already did our family fall photo shoot, so I had to grind through that yesterday. So I don't have to worry about that. That's off the table. Did you take it in front of like a tractor no, or we like an old a, rustic my, truck? My wife's parents live out in a farm uh, about Palmyras. There's lots of fall scenery, as you can imagine, out there. So <laughs> we made a day of it. Abby, are you going to do anything fun? I just plan to watch a lot of football on Saturday. All right. Yeah. That's, that's Robin and I it. might just find you and hang out. Yeah, yeah. Football. I'll go to Tanner's or something. Go to Tanner. All right. Well, hey, that wraps it up for the mailbag. We'll close it with some recruiting talk next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. That's been tough, you know, particularly being in Nebraska and not being able to get out. Our coaches haven't been on the road. You said 600 days. Uh, 620 days. It's been a long time. You know, it's just unfortunate. You know, this recruiting class, we're going to focus on maybe some immediate impact guys a little more. Uh, Probably not sign as many freshmen. 
when you're as close as we've been, one or two more pieces, one or two more guys will get you over the hump. Uh, so we're probably going to look to transfer portal a little more, look to junior college a little more, and, and uh, focus on those things to, to make sure we replace a couple guys we might be losing and, and try to add just a couple more pieces I think we need. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan and Robin Washett, Brian Munson uh, battling um, a bug right now, so he is not with us to talk recruiting, but wanted to talk transfer portal and really kind of the overall picture. As you know, Nebraska's recruiting class right now is small. It's going to be the smallest ever in the 85 scholarship era, um, and Nebraska only is going to sign 12 to 13 high school recruits this year. They have eight. Uh, Hayden Schwartz decommitted from Nebraska this week, uh, visited for the Michigan game. It's my understanding he contacted the staff um, and just basically said, I, you know, I, I think I want to maybe just take some other trips just to um, you know, look around, but I still am committed. And you know, at that point, Nebraska's like, you know what? Just open it back up. Take, a, take some other opportunities. So they now need another defensive lineman in this class. Gage Stenger from Millard South, the latest recruit. He committed to Nebraska a week ago as a JoJo Dolman kind of defensive athlete. Um, but where they sit right now, Robin, now they need one defensive lineman one or two offensive linemen, and then probably two defensive backs. Um, so it doesn't feel like recruiting is going very well, but they really don't have to find that many more guys to meet the number they're looking for in this very, very small 2022 class. Well, you know, as we've talked about, the, the landscape of recruiting in general has changed so dramatically with the transfer portal that you don't have to get your entire class from the high school market <laughs> you have a bunch of proven commodities that you know uh in some cases uh, how they've played at uh, the the power five level uh and you can evaluate them a lot better i think than you can with some some high school kids that uh, maybe aren't playing against the the top level competition so i think with these spots especially with it being a small class and you know sean you <laughs> brought it up to to frost i don't even think he knew it was 620 days since they'd even been able to go on the road to recruiting he looked at me like what he was like wait a minute whoa <laughs> like, well jan i mean they, okay january of 2020 was so long ago oh, I know. It feels think, like six years well, ago. Well, think about it. We're still like in the same type of protocols we've been in I know, since 2020. I mean, it's just crazy to think how long this has gone. And I so, mean, yeah, and so as a result of that, you know, with the, the COVID year that all the players got to come back, it kind of threw off all their numbers. And uh, you know, so they have a limited number of, of spots to work with. I think they're making it a point to fill those spots with, like I said, proven commodities and instant impact type players. And so uh, I'll, I'll ask you, uh, where are some of the spots that you would think are the most likely to be addressed via the transfer route? Well, I think quarterback, you got to start there first. If Adrian Martinez decides not to come back, um, and I, I really think there's a decision still there that has to be made um, with him. And they will have him back if he comes back. I know that's going to frustrate. You, you kind of get this Adrian Martinez fatigue because he's been around for four years. And there's been a Martinez at quarterback at Nebraska, what, nine years out of 2000? I mean, two, you go all the way back to 2011 when Adrian Martinez started. So if, wow, if, yeah. if or if Taylor, <laughs> yeah. so if, if, I mean, from 2011, if Mart Adrian Martinez comes back, from 2011 to 2022, you would have a, a Martinez starting quarterback at Nebraska for nine of those years. So, I mean, what's your gut telling you right now? Do you think Adrian – I mean, you said it's a real 
I think NIL Abraham. is going to be a real possibility. And I think the feedback from the draft and if, if he has any inkling that he can be drafted, I think he's got to look at that. And I don't know what they're going to tell him. I, I, I got to imagine the pro guys are going to say, look, man, it's a crapshoot. You know, it's no guarantee. You know, maybe you're a back end of the draft guy. Um, but you know, maybe another year would do you better. Um, maybe, maybe Adrian thinks about transferring, but I think they have to look at potentially a quarterback. Um, I think receiver is a must. I think you always can find receivers. I think you need to find an offensive lineman that can help what you have. Maybe a tackle. Yeah, a pro- proven tackle. I Some, mean, somebody that's got some collegiate snaps under his belt that you're not having to groom on the fly the you way they can't, have now. You can't be worried about offending players that aren't performing right now. Yeah, I mean, right now with what's being put on tape, I don't think uh, feeling should be a factor at whatsoever with how you address that spot. And so I, I think offensive line, on the defense, everyone wants a pass rusher. I mean, I think when you ask any coach in the country, what are you looking for at the portal? A pass rusher. Right. And so that's always a, an ide- ideal thing, but secondary for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, they need to probably go JUCO or, or transfer portal for safety and maybe even a corner because a Cam Taylor-Britt um, more than likely leaving, but your corners next year will be Quentin Newsom, Braxton Clark, and you know I think Marquise Buford yeah, Jr. Buford's playing really. Well. I think he's going to be in that conversation. Nadab Joseph and Tyreek Johnson. I mean, by the way, what the heck has happened to Tyreek Johnson? No like, doubt. I mean, he's uh, he's not even a factor anymore. <laughs> I mean, he went from Chenander saying he didn't even travel to Minnesota. Chenander said that um, he's starting to look like the five star. Like, I oh. mean, I, clearly, clearly that was coach speak. <laughs> a little motivational tactic there, maybe. Uh, Who knows? You know, we, I mean, Tyreek Johnson hasn't been on the field at all. Yeah, and then you know Nadab Joseph too. I mean, he came in with such high expectations as the one of the top JUCO guys out there, and he's hardly ever seen the field. So I mean, the misses like that. I mean, you can try to find instant impact players from the JUCO or transfer route, and you're getting a five star or one of the best JUCO players out there, and they don't translate. Well, so immediate impact. I mean, it's hit and miss on that too. And Buford's impacting things on special teams. He's one of the best guys on specials right now. So. That tells you something. He's playing on specials over those two guys. Yeah, that says a lot. So, yeah, I think Buford's someone to watch, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's five to seven transfer portal guys they add to this roster at some point or another here in the offseason. Kicker, too. I mean, what, what, what are we doing here? But Yeah, I, um, that seems like a no-brainer at this point. But, God, they have all these other kickers on the roster, too. So, like, do they want to, like, get one of these guys ready to go or do they feel like they need to go out and find a proven transfer portal guy? But if you're in the transfer portal as a kicker, it usually means that you got run out of somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason you're available at that point. Cause if a team has a good kicker, the odds of letting him get away uh, are probably slim to none. So like LSU let Connor Culp go for a reason, you know, like that's why Nebraska got him. Yeah. And so I, I guess, but obviously kicker right now uh, needs to be addressed because I mean, Culp's having the issues that he's having right now, but they still feel he's the best option, or at least Punt, are, are I mean, playing him like he is. Punter, can you move forward with Pritstep? I don't know. One well, Cherney, I mean, how? I think that was just a miss. I mean, they, they got like the one Australian punter that wasn't good. <laughs> no offense. Well, he got hurt, though. And he did, he did, but he's really struggled, man. He, yeah. He, uh, it's, it's not been a good trip over here for him. And you know, he's a great kid. I mean, I've gotten, um, talked to him a few times, but you just feel for him. He came all the way over here, brought his whole life over here and it just has not gone to plan. Not at all. And so, I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, 
So Frost, I mean, he, at least he laid it out there. Like I know you asked him, uh, you know, what spots would you potentially be looking at? He I did, tried to get him. He did not take the bait, but I mean, he made it no secret that they are going to hit that more than they ever have. The the transfer and JUCO routes to try to find more veteran, experienced players that can make a difference. And I think a lot of that comes to is they they for one they got a lot of young players already. So I mean, they feel good about just kind of the long term potential at a lot of different spots, but when you lose so many games the way they have and so many close plays of guys not getting it done, you got to try to find someone that can help push you over the edge. And I think that's kind of their goal for the rest of this class. All right, make sure you log on to HuskerOnline.com. We'll have plenty of coverage here over the weekend as we start to get you ready for Purdue. But if you're not following our podcast channel, look us up, the Husker Online uh, podcast. Uh, we post four shows a week here during the season. The Beat with JoJo Dolman, Off Court with Trey and Bryce McGowns, and the Up Close podcast. Um, and this week we're talking to a couple members of the Nebraska volleyball team um, on Up Close. So uh, check us out. We've got a very, very good, diverse podcast channel. Lots of different content on there um, covering all angles, all sports. Uh, the Husker Online podcast channel. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.